Hey, I'm Nick Von Brack, and this is the Record Podcast. Thanks for checking out another episode. For those of you who have not checked out the podcast before, this is a podcast, a show where I talk to musicians and people in the music industry about their stories, how we know each other, kind of peeling back the curtain on uh, being in bands and in that scene and uh, what it's all about. And uh, for those of you who have checked out the show before, thanks for coming back. Uh, make sure to follow me and the podcast on Facebook, uh, on SoundCloud, um, leaving ratings, reviews on iTunes, uh, Instagram, Twitter. It's all there. Everything is all there out in the world. Just uh, find the podcast out there and follow or friend it because uh, all that, you know, all that shit, it all helps. Uh, but to those of you who already do, thank you. Um, uh, coming off of last week's episode with Keith Leighton of Empire Empire Was Lonely Estate and Count Your Lucky Stars Records, we have a, we, I, have a giveaway. Um, so we did a giveaway with uh, an Empire Empire record and got a winner for that. That is Sean or at Rabbit Claw on Twitter. So congrats to you. We'll uh, get in touch with you, and we'll figure out how to get you that record. But uh, congrats. Congrats on that one. And uh, this week before we get into the episode, we I can't stop saying we. The, the royal we. Uh, before I get into the episode, um, I'm going to show a little preview of uh, another podcast I'm going to be on coming up. It is the Misaligned podcast, and the host is Deanna Chapman. I talked to her just this past week. And I got into some stuff about the podcast, uh, Dr. Manhattan, and uh, all kinds of other good stuff. Um, But uh, here's a little preview of that. You know, with you, I had started listening to the record podcast before we had talked about you being on this episode. And then I went and listened to Dr. Manhattan's self-titled. I actually did that today. I was a little late on it. (laughs) But I was like, all right, I have to listen to at least one release so I (laughs) sound like I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) That was probably the the one to listen to. I mean, it's our first, you know, released into the world kind of a thing, aside from demos and EP. And that's the one that probably most people know about more than anything. So it's probably the, if you would have asked, I probably would have said to start there. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was the first thing that popped up on Apple Music. So I was like, all right, this is the one. <laughs> yeah, that, that works out too. Yeah. So why don't we go ahead and dig into Dr. Manhattan a little bit? You guys yeah. ended up on Vagrant Records yep. back in what was it, 2006, 2007? How did that really happen for you guys? Yeah, so um, our manager at the time, Mike Bakta, he managed us and some other Chicago bands, Wax On Radio, some other ones. Um, He, when we kind of, you know, got aligned with him, he started pushing, you know, us. And so the album was done, basically. Like we were, when we met him, I think we were finishing the album and once the album was done, mixed and mastered, that's what we started bringing to labels. And he he knew people at Vagrant and some other labels that size and a couple of the majors. And um, we eventually started getting, you know, uh, reps coming to shows and stuff. And we'd meet and hang out. Um, actually, the first big bite we had, um, oh, this is going to kill me. There was a label. They're not a label anymore. Um, I think... Scary Kids, Scaring Kids used to be on it. Um, oh, God, I got to look this up real quick. Um, <laughs> no worries. I can talk still at the same time. But so, uh, you know, we started going out to dinners and stuff like that. After we had a big Metro show and we went out with, uh, 
you know, kind of just random people, the dinners and stuff and hanging out. And eventually a uh, vagrant came around. Um, I think we went to Lou Malnati's in the city and had pizza and hung out with Dan Gill, who was the guy who ended up signing us. Um, and we, it, we really hit it off with them. He seemed to have the right idea with what we wanted. And for me personally, it was like a huge thing. Cause one of the first big albums I got into was, um, when my buddy Sean brought over uh, a year on the streets, which is the vagrant compilation. And then after that, another year on the streets, which was when like, you know, Alkaline trio saves the day, get up kids was all on it. So that was like a big, uh, a big thing for me. And so now then vagrant were eventually, you know, like we're talking to vagrant and I'm like, okay, this is weird. Like, I know most, most of my life I believed it's not predetermined, but that's a weird thing that just happened. And, uh, so then, um, at the same time, we were talking to Vagrant, uh, this guy, Andrew McGinnis, these two guys, Andrew McGinnis and Pete Jaberga from Epic Records, which is, you know, a major label. Um, I think Modest Mouse is on at the time and stuff. Uh, he came, those guys came to a show and they were super into us. And so we were kind of talking to both labels at the same time and we were going back and forth uh, between Vagrant, smaller, I mean, smaller in quotes, smaller label, and, you know, Epic, which is a major. And, Eventually, we just decided, I'm like, well, you know, we feel like if we go to a major, we're going to kind of get swept under the rug. If we don't do well in the first album, you know, that's it. Then, you know, it'll kind of be the famous story of major label band. Right. So, um, so we talked to Vagrant about that and he said, no, you know, we want to grow you. We, you know, we know you're a small band and that's like part of the allure and, you know, we know what to do with you. We've had this band, this band, this band, and, you know, we feel good about this. So we all agreed on it and we, you know, we, uh, signed with Vagrant and, you know, at the time it felt really good, especially, like I said, especially for me, I had that emotional connection to, uh, to Vagrant. And so it just all kind of made sense. And the first, the first label I was talking about was Immortal Records, which okay. I, th- I think it was Immortal. It was, it was, I, I just know they had like, no, that sounds like it's too big. So, you know, <laughs> this is, this is me being, not knowing what I'm talking about. I should, I should have looked this up right before I did this, but, um, but that it was a label that ended up folding actually. And, and it was, it was pretty much right after we had talked to them, we were like, okay, this seems like it's cool. I mean, you know, the label doesn't have really bands we like on it, but the guy's really nice. And, you know, it seems like a cool thing. And then like, you know, a year later they folded. So (laughs) like, I I guess that was good. We didn't go after that. Yeah. (laughs) All right, cool. Let's get to uh, my guest this week. He is named Mikey Russell and he is from about a thousand Chicago bands. Uh, some of which include Wax on Radio, 504 Plan, uh, Sons, Camp Dogs, Wedding Dress. I mean, we get into all that. We get into every one of his bands. We just kind of take the whole journey. Uh, we get into some other stuff, too. Uh, what it's like to play guitar upside down. It's, uh, it's kind of his signature, if you're not familiar with him. Um, his connection to Fall Out Boy. Uh, pranks uh, involving both of our bands, even towards each other. Uh, touring in a school bus he's uh another musician in the world who i get to talk to about the uh, oddity that is touring and living in a school bus uh drama and bands and that could connect to a previous band mentioned in this little list and a bunch more a lot of it is just kind of taking the journey of all the bands he's been in in chicago over the years and that ranges from the suburbs to the city since the early 2000s and uh you know many you know, it, pretty much every band I've been in has crossed paths with one of his bands, opening for them or playing alongside them. And I've known him a really long time, but it was it was good to just kind of get in depth with him. You know, you meet these people over time, and you say hey, and you hang out, and you chat a little bit, and 
you have all these run-ins and you think you know them better, but then you get to have a sit-down like this and a show like this and uh, really get into it. So uh, it was good. It was good to jump into all that stuff. So uh, yeah, here is my interview with Mikey Russell. Great. <laughs> I'm going through a, a nice little mic on my end, so I'm trying to make it as pleasant sounding as possible. Wow, I should have thought of that. I could have got like a little mic going and stuff. No, this is good, man. The The way that um, Skype does it, it always sounds pretty good, actually, even if it's on a phone or through a mic. So I got I got no problems with that. Cool. Your your profile picture is also pretty, pretty great. <laughs> I, I don't, it's hard for me to remember even where I got it from. I feel like... I don't know if you know who Daniel Good is, but I feel like I probably got that picture from him somehow at some point. So it kind of looks like Daniel. <laughs> I'll let him know that. I'll let him know that he's been told that. <laughs> yeah, were you were you at the big uh, the wedding party? Yeah, yeah, we came a little later with the uh, with the little one, my wife and the little one, but uh, we hung out for a little while. It was uh, it was super cool. It was a nice little nice little relaxation dig. Yeah, uh, Matt Everett was telling me all about it. He's He's playing in, in Camp Dogs now, so he... Oh, nice. He, yeah, he came to a practice, and he was telling me about, all about uh, the swimming game that they were playing. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you know, it's, it sounded pretty cool. But, yeah, that sounded, sounded really fun. Daniel Daniel's a really cool guy. Like yeah. Guy. Yeah, it was, um, it was a surprise. I don't know. Are you familiar with Drew Curtis? I love Drew Curtis. Okay, so I I don't know why it never connected in my brain that he might be there. I just didn't even think of it because I haven't seen that's, him in so long. That is, that's how he rolls. Yeah, man. He, I, I I said to somebody, I was like, I thought he was just a specter. I thought he was like a ghost now. And sure he enough, is. he came out of nowhere and just appeared. And I like, I my heart was just so full of joy. I was like, oh my god! Like I didn't even think was, about seeing. He was probably him. in town for like one day or something, <laughs> and just made it there. He he had just come in from Ireland, and he was just about to. He flew out that night. He left early to fly to Detroit because he had to meet back up on tour. I was like, this is this is exactly how you are. <laughs> you see, yeah, he. I had a um a, the some friends through um, Jess from Camp Dogs through a surprise party um for me for my birthday in april yeah and uh you know it was really cool seeing everybody and like I, i'm walking around to to everybody and thanking him for coming and then f- drew curtis is there and i'm like <laughs> what are you doing here man <laughs> and he just was like i was around <laughs> so yeah you never know when you're gonna see that guy but i think that's the best part because it's always so awesome yeah you know? yeah and and my wife looked at me because at the end he like he came up he kissed me on the cheek a couple times and left he's like she's like who is that like she had never even heard of him or met him and she's like he's like and he was kissing you i was like you know what that may be the last time i ever see him i don't know if i'll ever see him again yeah he has to do that because he doesn't know like when he's gonna see you again i was like that could i could see him next week or never again and that you know that would just be his way and that would be perfectly fine because that's how he goes 
Love that, dude. <laughs> it was per- it was perfectly perfectly drew to have it happen the way. But yeah, that was that was the surprise of the evening for me. And uh, but the rest of the night was it was really cool. Yeah, I saw Matt and some other people. But yeah, that to me was like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, so just a little prelude. If the, if we get into you know, I I edit this, so you know, if the if the call drops, I'll just you know edit it in. And if there's any stuff you don't remember, or don't want to get into, just say it, and I'll you know make the edits on the other side of it. So no uh, cool. no stress. Um, but seeing as you, I mean, you have a an incredibly long list of musical projects, we could. I mean, we could probably make this podcast anywhere from one to three hours, just getting into everything. So, yeah, my, my dad and my stepdad uh, recently told me I should I should write a book on how to start a band. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, is, is that a compliment? I don't know what that's saying. Well, he's just he's funny. He's really southern. <laughs> he's making fun of me, but yeah. I thought it was really funny. Yeah, that's I perfect. Was I was on the ground laughing. It's yeah. Like, yeah, I I, pro- I should. Yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> well, so so I'll start it with how at least I I don't specifically remember our first interaction, but if I if I were to guess, if I, if I can gather what my my shitty memory can bring to my brain is that we I remember you. What's that? I remember. I remember. Okay. Well, then 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 you go for it because mine mine would just be like a blurry few pieces. Okay. We so um, Wax on Radio was playing a show in. Your guy's neck of the woods. I forget the venue, but it was like a big, it was a big venue. Um, man, Clear, Gino. Clearwater Gino, Theater. Clearwater Theater. Yeah, it was out, it's out in like West Dundee, like out kind of not really, there's like right. nothing, no other venues. There's not even a venue anymore, but yeah, yeah. that was like a big one out yeah, there. It's, it's like, a th- it's like a theater. It's yep. probably that. Yep. Place, yeah. Um, it's the only time I ever, ever played a show there, but, um. We were we were playing, you know, there and Bakta was was real into you guys at the time, I think, or w- one of the people with us. Maybe it was Sammy. Yeah, it's like you got, dude. We you got to see this band. They're so awesome. And I I definitely remember I was standing up on like the the ledge thing and and I watched you guys start playing. And I think you guys were the first people um, that I ever saw to have somebody. In at the front of stage, have a floor tom. Okay, yeah, Andrew. Yeah, that was the thing that struck me the most. That was like, why didn't I think that's awesome? (laughs) That's such a good idea. Yeah, like that's that. Yeah, and and uh, you guys, you guys blew me away. Oh, thank you. A thousand, a thousand shows together. Yeah. So actually, you know what? I'll go even further back. So we we ran into each other even other times before that. And if I can recall, the very first time. If if my memory serves me correctly, it was in Arlington Heights, I believe, at some like park district VF, not a VFW, but kind of like a park district uh, place. And I was not, not Knights of Columbus, ma- not Knights of Columbus. It was right, you remember that, yeah? Because I because I yeah I I don't know if I ever, I don't know if I was ever in a band that played at the Knights of Columbus, but I've been to shows there. And yes. but I was in a band before Doctor Manhattan with Adam. We were in a band called Musket Arm with our buddy Ryan. Oh. Oh, yes, dude, and yeah. yeah, and we played with Five Hundred Four Plan not only at the Iron Lake Village Hall, but also I think our first the, show. The we, yeah, but I think the first show we opened for you guys was some sort of 
park district, Arlington Heights, or like Elk Grove Park District kind of thing. And I think yeah. you guys were headlining, and we were just like one of the first couple bands to play. But that, if my memory serves me correctly, that was our very first okay. like, uh, uh, wait, I'm mixing my words here. First time our paths crossed. So yeah, um, and I remember um, playing a couple times with Musk Arm, right? Yep. Yep. Playing. Yeah. Yep. And you guys were also pretty weird. <laughs> it was par weird. for the course. <laughs> really fun to watch and fun to play with <laughs> wow dude that's that's cool i yeah. think i knew, i think i knew that you were in that band but i totally forgot yeah. i completely forgot yeah no no worries it um and and i was actually i was i don't remember who i was talking to but i we were ta- we were going on about i think it might have been actually johnny minardi which i'm sure we'll get into him on this talk as well but like <laughs> yes. we, we we just talked about how like yeah it's a bummer that you know for us the Island Lake Village Hall was the place. It was like, it didn't matter what was going on. We could always book a show there for 50 bucks. If we weren't playing a show, we would just go there to see who's playing. And that was always like a thing to do. And that was the same with like, you know, Knights of Columbus and all these like park districts that would just be like, yeah, get, let the kids play a show. And it was so much of that. And now, I mean, obviously there probably is still some of that that I'm just not aware of. But I mean, at the time that was like every park district, every VFW and Moose Lodge, like they were always having like bands just play shows and it was so i mean it was great it was like perfect it was like a perfect way to just get into all kinds of new music and like start a band we played we played so many shows in that goddamn band it was crazy (laughs) and we never we went on tour yeah like we did tour but but 95 percent of them were just in the suburbs and in the city yeah and you could do that Right. Like I think about it now, like exactly the same sentiment that you and you and Minardi are talking about. It's like you think about doing that now, you can't do that. No. But but then, dude, we were playing every every suburb from Palos Heights to way up in Wakanda and, yeah. and all that stuff, and we would just go out and hammer out shows like all the time. <laughs> and and at that and especially in that scenario, that was like you weren't really worried about oh, are people going to see the same show cuz typically like people would travel but you would get like you know a 75 85% new crowd of kids who had never heard of you so you could really like play three or four shows in a weekend or like you know six to eight shows a month and just like not see the same people over and over again yeah it totally was, it was a perfect way to yeah like get your feet wet and that stuff but so so i guess since we're starting in there we and we can go back further it what was 504 plan the first kind of foray into being in bands for you or there's or is there like a laundry list of other bands before that well there's like some hardcore like punk bands like sure you know like uh bad brains minor threat type stuff yeah nothing nothing that we ever like played shows or anything i mean the first first band that i was ever really in that like kind of i think i think i played one show with them or maybe two shows was with um Mickey and Danny from August Premiere. Oh, okay. 
and that was like my first time like actually having a serious band like to the point where I remember at first when we first started playing together we thought we had to have the same kind of guitar for them to sound right <laughs> but, but, but the problem was we didn't have tuner pedals so we just weren't in tune oh. <laughs> like that bad right yeah um but then that kind of like fizzled out and then me and Nick started playing together in 504 plan and so I guess technically the second band, but you know, not yeah. really. It's it's the first that I ever that I ever got to experience all of the cool things about being in a band. Sure. And you and and so not not only was five oh four plan and especially at that time, like for us as a band that would open up for you, like five oh four plan, if they were playing a show, it was a big deal. Like you guys were either headlining or <laughs> you were, you know, main support or whatever it was, but that was like if we had an opportunity to get on a show with you guys, we would, you know, or or if you played the Village Hall, that was a big deal. So now that all the smoke is clearing, the plan has been destroyed, and I'm back here in puddles of what was my moonlight. The only thing that can make safe from tears and pictures of you ran through my head. And now it's time for me to go back home in my. Yeah, and on top of that, you you were you were an anomaly in that people were looking at someone who was like, "Wait, he, so he's playing his guitar, but it's upside down," and that that like right. people could not figure that out. So how, how how did you figure out that that was the way that you started playing guitar? Well, um, you know, I I started out playing drums. Oh, really? See, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, drums is is my first instrument. I just did a string of shows on drums. Oh, nice. Actually, yeah. Um, but, um, it, it honestly, like, it was too loud to play when we moved. <laughs> it was too loud. And my stepdad Drums was like, too loud. no, like, you know, that's too loud. He yeah. worked late and stuff and he wasn't down with it. And he just told me to play one of his guitars and I just started messing around with it. And I really wanted to make songs. It sounds weird and silly, like for a little, like a 12 year old to want to make songs, but I really yeah. like. I wanted something more musical, like, you know, whatever that means when you're like 12. And, right. and I just started like diving into it. And then when I got comfortable playing the songs that I was learning at the time, you know, like I, I got the opportunity to get my own guitar and they asked me if I wanted a, a lefty and I kind of felt like I would have to relearn. So I just, I just stuck with the righty and, you know. I never, I've never gone back. I've, I've thought recently about stringing one of my guitars left-handed, but I've, yeah. I, I still, I, it's just how I'm comfortable playing it. And people all the time always say like, "Oh my god, it's so crazy." I don't think that <laughs> right. it is at all. I think that, <laughs> I think that's that natural. Learning, yeah, like learning the guitar is kind of a crazy thing, like because it's a, it's a complicated instrument. But I don't think it was any harder for me to learn than right. it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I guess playing that sort of setup, do you run into any kind of problems or more hurdles to jump over when you have issues or anything? Or is it just for you, like you said, it's the way you learn so you kind of know how to work around that stuff? I'm pretty used to it now. Like a couple things that kind of, um, I was I was in the studio like day before yesterday and we were getting a guitar tone and um, Nick 
the engineer was like, um, actually, like maybe if you turn down your guitar volume a little bit, like we can get it better out of the, the amp. And I was like, well, I have to keep it on 10 because, you know, the knobs are on the other side of the guitar for me. They're, they're like where my arm is. Right. I have kind of adapted playing my downstroking so that it constantly turns the knobs up oh. <laughs> because when I first started playing live, I would be turning the guitar down while I was playing. You right. Know? So like now, like that's something that I have to kind of roll with. And, and, uh, in five four plan shows, man, um, back then when I had, hadn't built up the like unbelievable elephant, like callus on my, on my <laughs> pointer finger, my picking hand pointer finger, yeah. like the high strings being on top, my finger would hit those and it would rip, rip the skin open. Shit. And I would, I would bleed all over my guitar and like, and it was like, you know, I was in high school, so I was like, check this out. You know? <laughs> I was going to say that probably made for some cool ass shows. <laughs> yeah. Like I think that, I think that I at least impressed a couple, a couple people with it, but sure. it was actually just, just me cutting, like cutting myself using the instrument. It wasn't cool. <laughs> but, but like, um, yeah, those are the those are the only two things that really yeah make it any any more like kind of difficult, you know. And and so when you when you guys start five hundred four plan when you're getting going, how long? I guess how af- how long after you start do things start happening, or how long are you banned before you know you start noticing shows are getting bigger? Or like you know, there's like a bit of a buzz about you guys. You know, it's all it it like is a that's 15 years ago now, which isn't that long, (laughs) but like, I, I remember it being pretty quick. Yeah. I remember it being pretty like, um, like after, after maybe like a year, I think of us playing and figuring out like that we need tuner pedals that we need, like all this stuff kind of need to play a good show. Yeah. Not to not sound like total garbage. Really. Like once, once you know how, how to like you play on stage, I think that after that we kind of started getting cool stuff. But like at the time, dude, when, like when you say that it was cool for your band to play that really like, that's awesome. But you know, I don't want to sound like ungrateful or anything, but no. at that time we thought, we thought we were just poking our head above water. Yeah. You were always like, we gotta, we gotta try to get on this bigger show. We sure. gotta. There was a cool, I think that the biggest thing about that band that was cool was that, that I took like lifelong away from it was kind of just that work ethic and the DIY mentality that we, that we had in that band that we always just wanted to do more stuff. Like the first tour that we went on, you know, man, I know, I know Tom and Nick and whoever listens to this, I want to try to get my facts straight. It was a long time ago, but like, you know, like we, I think the first show was in New Mexico. Damn. <laughs> Who routed that? <laughs> we didn't we dude, we didn't we had no idea. Right, yeah. We want we knew we wanted to go play the West Coast and and we just went. And it was like an unreal like thirty hour drive to right. the first show. Like it's something that's so basic for touring bands now. It's like you would never do that, but right. it, we didn't know. You know, we we're just trying to do shit. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like, crazy to think about. Yeah, it was it was nuts. I think Minardi was on that tour. Yeah, so so that I want to get into that. At what, at what point does Minardi just you know slide his way through the door and into your guys' lives? 
<laughs> uh, he got us a show at a place called uh, Lee Street Billiards with his band. Um, I think they. I think I'm. I'm going to. I'm going to try to get everything straight here. I think they covered Slipknot, though. Oh yeah, we talked about that. He had a band that was like basically just covered Corn and Slipknot and shit. Did like you? That. Okay, so, yeah. so that's true. Okay, yeah. So something. Was, what was the name of it? It was something in the poos or something. It was some name that I was like just blown away by. I don't remember, but I remember. <laughs> I remember he played. A, I think he played a seven string Ibanez guitar. Yeah, you remember exactly because that we, did, it, we talked about that. <laughs> okay, and he definitely, he definitely had braces. Yeah, I think he had a retainer at the time, <laughs> and he was like just this little dude that was like. Uh, you know how he is. He's got yeah. that like jovial presence to him. That like, first time you meet him, you just want to hang out with the guy. Yeah. You know. And, like, I think that five hundred four plan played, and somebody stole some of the pool balls or broke something, and they they never had a show there again. <laughs> That's and all somehow, it takes. Yeah, and somehow um, Johnny didn't get in trouble for it, or at least he didn't tell us about it. And he, we he just started like kind of working with us. I think. I think that we were the first band that he put a put a record out of. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, I think so. Yeah, that's I, sound, that, I think that's I think that's right. Yeah, and uh, he came on a tour with us, and he was just really, really supportive. Really, really cool that early to have somebody like take interest in your band and start trying to like help you, right? Like work the band. That was that was really awesome. All right, and uh, so so how long is Five Hundred Four Plan a band for? Um, Five Hundred Four Plan was a band for probably like four years or so. Okay, I think and that we we started in, in like two thousand, maybe two thousand one. Started playing shows and broke up in oh four, probably. Okay. And, um, and what happens around that? Is that just kind of a natural thing? You all just go your separate ways, or is, or what? what yeah, I I think John and I wanted to kind of do different stuff than Nick and Tom, and um, there was a, there, that was the time of college, like when you have to ask your bandmates, like you know, or, or everybody's thinking what they're going to do in college, you know? Yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't as much of like a just a fun thing to go play in a punk band. It was more like there was serious kind of stuff. Yeah. And the band had bills, like just stuff like that, that I feel like was kind of stressful and it kind of just ran its course a little bit, you know, we're all still great friends. I just, I just took a trip out to LA to move John out, out to LA. He moved there from, from Elgin and um, I drove across the country with him and oh, nice. Yeah, and, and Tom is uh, Camp Dog's booking agent, and we're you know I talked to Nick here and there. He lives he lives out in California too, but we're all awesome. we're all still buds. Well, that that's yeah. good to hear. That warms my heart. Good to yeah. hear you guys all still still keep in touch. There was a little little chatter about a some kind of show. Uh, I don't know, like a year ago. Yeah, but but uh, I was out living on the bus and. You know, it just everybody lives across the country. Nick, yeah. you know, Nick and John are in LA, and Tom's in Brooklyn. So, 
be well, too I, tough. I definitely know at least 10 people that would have been doing a backflip to hear that. So <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Um, I think, and I also, I think I would be, uh, remiss to not at least bring up the fact that if, the, if anyone knows of the lore of 504 plan, they'd know that there is the fallout boy connection and I'd have to get into it or at least, uh, get your take on how that, how that all kind of shook out and what that was all like just being playing. I mean, playing the Knights of Columbus at that time, like I said, I, I only went to a couple of shows. I never played there, but that, that place was like electric with some of the shows they had there. So like how, yeah. It was it. It got it. It got really crazy there for a while. I mean, even up until the point that we broke up, it was. I remember I would, um, I would have to, like, like have to, like, not, not kidding. Like, I would get like a dude from the from the front, like where the monitors were, because you play on the floor there, right? You know, and I would ask, like, a dude, like, hey, can you stand in front of the microphone so that it doesn't, because it, it would just be smashing me in the face <laughs> because like of the crowd and it would my my like lips would get like bit up on my teeth and stuff and i'd be yeah. like bleeding and it, it was just not a it was cool but at the same time i would i would like ask them to kind of like hey can you just like stand here and like push people back and stuff yeah. and like um it, yeah it got it got really really wild there it was it was very very fun it was a killer experience and um as far as those follow-up dudes, yeah, we hung out with them pretty tightly all up through that first, uh, you know, recording of their first record and yeah. and all of their first shows. And um, Patrick and I were real close at that time. We we we've only seen each other a couple times in the last I don't know many years. But right. We were really tight at that time, and he he's a brilliant musician. Had a yeah. big impact on on me as a as a player and as a writer and stuff. And yeah, just, just great, great time. Great time to be playing music in, in Chicago. A lot of, a lot of other um, people, not, not just Fall Out Boy, a lot of killer bands and musicians and dudes were, were really popping off at that yeah, time. And yeah. it was very fun to be in like a, you know, the proverbial or whatever you want to call it, like scene. I think, I feel like it was a scene. Like yeah. People, Kind of that's a semi taboo thing to say because of course it's not New York in the nineteen seventies, but right. like you know, it was some kind of scene and it was cool. And I loved it, you know. Yeah. yeah I mean that's like some of, like I said, some of those shows there must you must have felt like, all right, like if we're not fucking rich and famous in like five years and something <laughs> fucked up, like, you know <laughs> with some of the crazy shit that was going on there. I think it was I think the sentiment after a lot of shows was like Dude, now maybe we can open for Hey Mercedes. Yeah, or something. okay. It was always like it was always trying to get to to the next right. like, level. Right. You know, that's kind of the whole the whole deal. We were always trying to like do stuff like that. And and so then you guys go your separate ways. And at what point does Waxon come in the picture? Immediately. Right after that. Okay. I mean, I mean, within um, I think the last. 504 plan show we played was at metro and like i was really writing a lot of like you know like i was i was trying to bounce back from being like kind of in a punk band because i i wanted to be in more of like a musical like a musicianship band yeah you know? not that not that the dudes in 504 plan weren't musicians but like a like a prog band you know like crazy guitars and right stuff. 
And so, like, I was kind of writing stuff like that. Even for that last show, there was, like, a big, long guitar intro that I did that was, like, it's, like, a whole kind of, like, spacey guitar solo thing. And it was super wax on radio. It was not yeah. for a five-plan show. But um, I just I just immediately started working on the entire aesthetic of that band, Wax on Radio. And I think that's the hardest I've ever worked on something in my life. It was, like... I became instantly obsessed with it and and just really dove into it. Did you already have those guys in mind for getting a band together or did that, or how did that all piece together? No, I actually talked to Adam Siska from, um, at that, at that time he was in the Academy is I think, or did maybe they weren't a band yet or they were, um, but I, I, I think they were a band yet. But anyways, I talked to him about bass players because I've always liked how he plays bass and, uh, he suggested, hitting up Harrison. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so Harrison and I started working on songs like in my garage, just he and I, and, uh, man. Oh, and then Leslie Morgenthaler, 504 plan, super fan, um, who I became friends with and is one of my closest friends this day. I got off the phone with her like a little bit before. Oh, nice. I talked to you. Um, she, suggested I come see her friend's band, which was this band Farewell Night. And so I go see the friend's band, and Tom Conrad from 504 Plan grew up best buds like they still spend Christmas together with Bob Buckstaff. Oh, Bobby Bunstaff. Yeah, the big guy. (laughs) So, So I go see Bob Buckstaff play, and like, you know, after I pick my mind back up off the floor and shove back <laughs> into my head and try to understand what just happened, mm-hmm. I would talk to him and we just hit it off. We, yeah. just, we just hit it off. And his relationship with, with Tom was like a big, like, I was like, oh, I love Tom. And he was like, you know, I love Tom too. And we started talking and, um, you know, just after that, we started really writing some stuff. I was kind of playing drums to, to the parts, um, in the very, very beginning. Yeah. And then, um, man, how do we meet Sammy Del Real? I don't know. I think it was Mike Del Principe from uh, Academy Is. Okay. He was at that at that time. He was in that band. So, yeah, that, that band came together just by sheer, like, friends helping. Nice. Like, friends. Me asking people, like, I need this guy, I need this guy. And, like, people just put that band together, you know. It's like sheer luck. Yeah. Know? Well, and, there, and I feel like too, like five hundred four plan wax on. I mean, it, again, because I don't know the the history or the story, but it, to, from my perspective, it felt like this band came out of nowhere, and all of a like it wasn't just like oh, it was just like uh, some other band that's playing. Like it already had buzz and attention, and people excited about it. Like what seemingly to me was like out the gate. So was that like 
to your memory? Was it fairly soon after you guys were gone, things were happening or was it a little longer process? No, it, it did feel pretty quick. Um, and you know, I think that, I think there was just kind of like an energy around that band that was pretty frenetic. Yeah. Um, I think that it, I think that that, that kind of came from just the amount of work that we were putting into it. Yeah. I think that like when people see somebody like working their brains out of their head on something, they kind of just pay attention more. Yeah. You know, like we, we were just like, I mean, we practiced, we practiced every day in that band. Yeah. And we took, we took everything so seriously that I think it's the reason that the, that band lasted such a short amount of time because it was just, it was a pressure cooker, you know, right. it, the, the level of expectation for the performances and for like the band was so high that there was just, it was unsustainable, you know? Well, you say such a short amount of time. How, how long was Wax on a band? I think that was another like three years or maybe four years. That's crazy to me. And maybe it's just because my knowledge or like experience with 504 plan was much shorter, but I feel like, I guess I at least feel like I was around for the entirety of that band. So it felt like it was much longer than three or four years. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was another, it was another real blast of, of energy. And then yeah, you kind of just, I mean, we played Lollapalooza and, and we were doing a record at that time and we sent most of the songs to the label and, uh, Iron Mike, Big Mike Bakta. <laughs> I've never heard him called Iron Mike. That's great. That's you have to add that to the list of his nicknames. What was your guys' nickname for him? Uh, it bounced between Chewbacca and um, Bactopus. Those are those are okay. two two that we'd use a lot. Ours ours were were Iron or uh, um, what did Harrison called him? Uh, Senor Bente Porciento. <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> yeah so <laughs> so uh so i mike calls and he's like the label um doesn't doesn't want to put out any of the songs for the next record like <laughs> jesus yeah and i'm like sorry did you say none of them it's like yeah, wait no. wait you, you weren't specific when you said how many because i think what you said was none and so so we scrapped them and we wrote another record and in that time frame just kind of lost our minds like sure. it was just it's it's really it's really hard to to write a record and and somebody says no yeah that's fucking defeating <laughs> yeah um and sometimes that inspires like you know okay i got to make something great other times it's just like fuck it man i put so much time and effort into that like i got yeah. nothing i got no more steam well for us it was like no that's that's the record, yeah. man. Like we like it. Yeah. And uh and I don't know, like, you know, and and things were just they were they were hard in that band. It was, yeah. It was yeah. difficult. It wasn't it wasn't anybody's fault. It was just the 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 uh collective subconscious of that band was like, you know, perfection. Yeah. And I don't I'm not saying that we that we attained perfection at all. I'm just saying that like No, you guys were a very serious band. Like you could tell, like they, even well, just watching you guys objectively, you could tell you guys were up there not fucking around and you were all locked in and good at your craft. And then even 
being in bands or like playing shows with you guys, like, you know, from that angle too, you could tell like you had good gear, like you, you didn't go up there and like throw shit around or not give a shit. Like, yeah, you guys were a serious band. You came to play and you weren't, yeah, it wasn't a game. <laughs> which I, which I eventually didn't like about it. I realized yeah. that that was the, that was the weird thing. And, and so when you get to the, the back swing of not liking wax and radio, that's when you get sons, yeah. which it's like a, uh, it's the closest thing that I'll ever have to being in some kind of traveling circus or something. <laughs> I mean, just like a wily, wily group of dudes. Yeah. Very, very wily is a good term. On the and it, it's it's so funny to me too because the I think I mean at, le- at least was in the the uh, ether of the end of wax on because we had the practice space right across the hall from you guys right. and um and right I don't I don't I don't know I don't know so I'll I've told this story a couple times just from my perspective but I have yet to talk to any of you guys about this <laughs> so this is perfect for this we when we left that studio so. Oh, I know what you're <laughs> so when we so when we got to that place, I don't even know how long we were there. <clears throat> I don't know, maybe six months. I think we paid one month's rent and then just never paid rent again. So that's first off. And yeah, and and then as we left, like we had all this random. There, there was a, and I do remember. There was your guys' band, and that was you were the only band that we like knew or were friends with. But there was a band down the hall that I'll never forget. Just had like there wasn't a square inch available on the walls because it was just covered in porno, just ripped out like Playboys and, sh- and hustlers and shit. And I was just like, "What is even happening in here?" Um, but so when we were packing up and leaving, we had all this random shit, and we we're like, "All right, let's get it all ready." And I think it just started off as a joke, or like we were just bringing stuff out of the room and putting it out in the hall. But your guys practice space was directly across from us so i think slowly it just kind of piled in front and then we were just like making each other laugh like oh we're just gonna pile this more and more in front of the door then by the end we just had all this shit in front of your guys space and then we just laughed like laughing our asses off and we were just like oh my god i hope that someday like we can get to hear some sort of reaction out of them coming to their space being like what even is the fucking (laughs) what is going on honestly dude i remember it and i think that there was there was almost no reaction because it was Dr. Manhattan doing it. It was just like, of course they just piled all this shit in front of our door. And I think we just moved it to the side and like just walked it out of there like that for a little while. There was another time that you guys got us at a, um, I think it was just Andrew. I was going to say, I don't, I don't know, know if you, I know this one. I don't Yeah. I don't know. Like it, it probably was just him. Um, Bob's Wurlitzer had broken and we were playing Beat Kitchen. It was like sold out, like big show. We we're nervous and, you know, like, fuck, the Wurlitzer's broken. What are we going to oh, do? Oh, yeah. Andrew, can we use your, your Nord? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, like, what do you need? And we're like, okay, Wurlitzer tone. And then um, 
So he like queued up a world serotonin and saved it in there. And he's like, okay, it's saved under Bob. So like, just go to it yeah. and it'll be good. And when Bob went to it, it was like, uh, <laughs> it was like, it was like an angelic choir singing with like flange on it and stuff or something like that. All I remember is that he played like two chords and then he was like, nope. And we just played the song without Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea of that happening. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. Well, I'm, I'm glad you guys don't hate us because evidently there's a there's a slew of events that occurred that could have allowed you. Oh, to... <laughs> I just saw. So Adam lives on the same block as me. Okay. And I just saw him like two days ago or whatever. Um, we were sitting outside of practice. He stopped by and said hi and told him, you know, hey, come up. We're having a party on sunday come hang out nice yeah i mean i don't see him or his brother like often yeah but they're, they're around we see each other nice yeah. and 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 i i meant to say this when you said this earlier but i'm remembering it now that you know aside from sharing a manager we also shared a manager that was the bearer of bad news to both of our bands <laughs> saying that our labels did not want to put out our records so as soon as you said that uh, downtown said that to you guys. I just immediately thought of back to being like, "Yeah, Vagrant doesn't want to put out the record." It's <laughs> like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> he's yeah. had to, he's had to have that st- he's had to have that conversation multiple times in his life. <laughs> I tell you what, dude, Mike Bakta, I I he was at one point in my life, I think the closest person in my life. Yeah, and he's still, you know, we'll see each other when we can. We don't see each other very much anymore, but um, I have seen that dude go to fucking bat yeah. for four bands. Like I've seen him in person, like scream at somebody on the phone. Not that that's a good thing, but like when you're a band, <laughs> right. you want a manager who's a bulldog, you know, right. like yeah. scream at somebody on the phone and slam it down and like actually like be a, a manager. And like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, he did a lot of a lot of really cool stuff for for that band, and yeah. he wanted to, he worked with Sons for a little bit. Oh, nice! He us, yeah, he was trying to get us a, a record deal, but it was just kind of a it was at the at the very end of Sons. So. Okay, so yeah, that transitions in into like you said, uh, wax on ends, and you go right into Sons, which you described as some sort of carnival or circus. And by that, <laughs> do you just mean like just so many members and like moving parts, or? Oh my God, dude! Our first show, Drew Curtis did sound. God bless him. He was, (laughs) yeah, and and like, dude, he he was already kicking ass at that time. He came into the practice space, listened to our set to do the sound for the first show. I mean, when have you had a sound guy that hands on? Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Obviously, that's why he did it. But like, he's also he's just such a. I mean, that's why he does what he does. But like. He came to the practice space to get a listen for it. Dude, we had glockenspiel, we had clarinet, we had a harmonium, we had, there was, there was like so many instruments on stage. I think he used like most of the inputs in the board at Metro. <laughs> and, and it was ridiculous. It yeah. was ridiculous. We never played a show with that many instruments again. It sounded great. Yeah. It's just so crazy to, to think that we were going to pull that off. Yeah. But yeah, like a, a lot of a lot of that band was just um, kind of a mix of of trying to to be serious and trying to really like play very very well, and a lot of just like 
being silly and crazy and yeah and having a shitload of fun we that band was a, a party band for sure yeah and 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 so this this is where my my kind of knowledge of bands can get fuzzy because i feel like since then there's been kind of a slew of bands that all have been happening at the same time and you've been kind of in and out of all kinds of projects so wh- what starts to happen now because i know i know of camp dogs i know of wedding dress and i'm sure there's probably like four other bands i don't even know about like what happens post sons <laughs> well so like you know sons let's see so sons started to kind of like fizzle out kind of um when andy broke away to do ghastly menace okay and uh when that started happening, I think like a, like a little bit before that too, Bob and CJ from Sons and Bob from Wax and I did a band called Horned Crow. Oh yeah, was, I do remember that. Yeah, it was like all improvised. Yeah, I it, do remember that being a thing. <laughs> short-lived and um we only played like probably five or six shows or something yeah and then uh and then yeah like aaron um came and asked me you know he, he started writing songs like he he was home from from mass analysis tour and he came over and showed me some songs and was like do you want to do a band with this stuff and i was like yeah that sounds awesome and stuff for wedding dress for a long time um probably two or three years um and probably the back year and a half of that was side by side with the band that i started with jess camp dogs Which now is pretty much my my sole uh, thing. Like, I, I uh, wedding dress is kind of like not doing anything right now. Yeah. Um, we just we we recorded a record and it's kind of just like hanging out right now. And it'll be our second record. And Lemke's doing all of that wet mouth stuff. Yeah. You should you should have Lemke on. on I'm gonna. Thing. We've we've talked a little bit about doing it, and it'll just be a matter of 
having it happen. But yeah, I want to get him yeah. out and talk about that. And they found me, they named me and all his crazy shit. We actually have a funny, goofy story that of, I don't know if, if he ever told you our little past story. Did he tell you of our history? Uh, he's, he is loaded with stories. So sure. I might have heard it, but so, he, you, D-Man and him go pretty deep. Well, so though this is even before that. This is musket arm. So he, okay. he was in a band what was his oh fuck i'm gonna i'm gonna hate myself that i don't remember this he oh was, dude in visions of red yes so in visions of red so when he was in bartlett he was in visions of red and that was yeah. at the time of uh band websites having guest books and shit and uh like homestead websites and yeah. for whatever reason i don't even remember how it started and i don't even know if he remembers but like for some reason and being from wakanda i can say especially at that time wakanda had this like small time small town kind of complex thing of like if anybody said shit about wakanda then like all of a sudden you know people are coming out with their pitchforks and their yeah and they they wanted to come they wanted for they were there for blood i don't know why but so at that time musket arm was playing a bunch and for whatever reason we were cocky about being a good band and i think we were supposed to play with them. We did play with them something. And then there was a, a whole guest book thing of like, somebody made a comment on one page and then went back the other. And then it became this thing of like Wakanda versus Bartlett. Like there was going to be a big showdown <laughs> jets versus sharks. And they were going to meet at the Wendy's and like fucking brawl. And for whatever reason, our bands were like in the middle of this, like the reasoning for it. And for a while, it was like very contentious and not even for really any reason, just like, oh, well, you're from Bartlett and you're from Wakanda. So we were, we're supposed to not like each other. And then it's like an India Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> there must be peace here. And so somehow that all diffuses. And then we crawls past again and we just like had the biggest laugh over it. Like, what the fuck was that even about? Like, I don't yeah. know. So it's whenever. Yeah, I, I can't wait to have him on just so we can. You know, try to get to the bottom of that. I thing. mean, I, oh, I just to even go back into it and just smile and laugh and be like, "What fucking idiots were we to think that?" Like, I, I just don't oh, even God. remember any of it. So that's, yeah, that's how that's how our that, worlds came together. As soon as you said, like back when websites had guest books, like yep. four or five different embarrassing memories went through my mind. <laughs> Give like, me one. Give me one set. of them. Oh, geez, there was just so many. Uh, <laughs> I mean. There was not going to, I'm not going to name names. No, no. There was definitely, there was definitely like guest book wars. Yeah. Between uh, bands. Yep. Yeah, because you could write anonymously. It was, I mean, it's kind of like a lot of how what, well, now YouTube, you, it does attach your name. So there isn't, there isn't any really anonymity anymore. But like, yeah, like that was like the, that was that. It was like, you can go on and just be like, fuck this band. And you could say yeah. some personal shit and then you could just dip out of there and like yeah, get some shit first, going. <laughs> it was the first like, like time that like people were way uglier on the internet than they would be in real life. Like, yeah. you, like stuff you would never say in real life. People would say like on a, on like a, a band's guest book. Right. Like regardless of if the band was terrible or not, which at the time that, people our age were dealing with websites with guest books. Our bands were all probably pretty terrible. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. But like, you know, you don't want to hear that. No. And like, so yeah, it was, well, those and, were the dark ages, man. And, and it, it was so much more personal too, because whereas on YouTube, this could literally be somebody from like across the world who somehow happened on your video. Guest books at the time were like, that person has either been to a show 
knows me personally, like had a class with me, like this is somebody that I've had an interaction with. Like it's even on like a deeper level. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody, nobody's stumbling on your angel fire, uh, guest. Yeah. Our, our musketarm.cjb.net website. They didn't find that just typing it randomly things. (laughs) There was no Google. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Holy shit. Yeah. So that was even more of a thing of like, okay, who is this fucker? Like, it's not just somebody in the world that you're like, oh, that's a bummer. It's like, this is somebody, I have class with this person. Like, this is somebody who I can, I can pick them out of a lineup. So it, right, it, was, yeah. it was even that much more personal, the guest book hatred at the time. It's so funny. It's hilarious. It helps you get that thicker skin, man. You gotta, you gotta have people tell you you suck uh, at least a handful of times to kind of get you yeah. ready. <laughs> oh, dude, when I, when I first started singing in 504 plan, I'm pretty sure Nick, begged me to stop I'm pretty, i mean it maybe not begged but i'm pretty sure he was like dude we need a different singer yeah. and i was like dude give me some time here yeah like i was like figuring this out i'm like 16 or whatever yeah you know? but yeah you you have to go through that gauntlet of of people telling you you suck to at least get better and keep keep trying to get better like if, if you just have a bunch of yes men around you i right. always think of you know, like, cause I'm, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And I always think about like the, the dudes that are like, you know, 60 and they put out a record and it's not good. Like, yeah. you listen, you're like, this is not good. Where did it get lost? And I really think part of that is just being surrounded by yes men. Yeah. People that are never going to tell you that it's not good because you're like a, you've been doing it so long or right. whatever. You know? Yeah. The big thing for me is when I see a trailer for a shitty movie, it, it, it gets me mad for like, just thinking of the litany of people, like so many people had jobs because of this, had had to edit, had to be in the background. Like so many people had right. to be involved for this thing that just came out to suck. And so many people had to say that this was good and put millions of dollars into this. Like, like so many people had to be involved for this shitty thing to come on my TV. Oh, and- <laughs> dude, I think about that all the time. Like the boardroom of guys, the green light things that I yeah. just think are awful. Yeah. Like not not I'm not like I'm just saying like product right it's like right some, some awful flavor of thing or sure. something. it's like who was the guy that was like make it a go that, that's a good <laughs> yes. idea into production you know, like, yeah there's so much shit like that yeah it's messy but so not so so what do you what do you consider like I guess now that Camp Dogs is like the thing for you the main focus what do you I mean you've been in all of the bands so what for you does camp dogs kind of fulfill that other bands haven't or like at least even if it's not musically if it's not doing that if it's like on a personal level like what is you know what why do you consider this like a special project um it's really special because it's the entire creative process is just me and jess yeah um we go in to the songs we Really what happens is she writes the song and I'm, I'm maybe on a, on, you know, one out of three songs have some suggestions about parts and where to put them and stuff. And sometimes she takes that suggestion and we actually do it. Yeah. But like mostly it's just me um, thinking of the instrumentation and how to wrap like these acoustic songs into like a larger field of how to, how to, how to put a band under supporting song, you know? And like that to me is just so much more fulfilling and fun and, and, um, just 
it's it's it gives me a, a, such a more rounded and um, like better idea of the song and a better feeling with it. So then when I play the song live, when we get to go play live, like I can play drums in the song, I can play guitar in the song or whatever, and I'm I'm experiencing all of the parts yeah. that I've kind of like been able to have my hand in or with her closely and it's it's cool like and you know that's probably the most self-absorbed you could get as a a musician but like that's why it's been so fun for me yeah and and we are working with a solid touring band now it's nick from sons and Everett, matt Everett from uh you know he's been in in tons of green and light pollution and he was in Suns for yeah. a while there, and um, and then our our friend and my roommate Andrew, um, and like you know, like we're that's that is the band now. Nice. It's the touring band. Like we're still we're still writing things on our own, but um, we're kind of making baby steps towards a full band environment again. But it's been really fun and special for us to do a band in this way as like a very studio oriented project where, where, you know, you can just be, you can just be creative with this, with all of the instruments and kind of have more control over them. Yeah. It's not something that I, that I'm like, like a control freak though. Like yeah. I don't want to sound like that. I don't want to answer the question in a way that sounds like I just want to, I just want to be the puppet master, you know, <laughs> well, it's a- that's, when you ask what makes it unique, that that's definitely what makes it unique. I've never been able to do that before. So, well, to me, that answer kind of sounds. I don't even pick. I don't even think of it that way. I thought of it as like, oh, for once, this is a band where it doesn't like hinge on me. Like it's a a lot of the process is another person, and I can just kind of like, right. you know, help fill in the gaps or like you know take this to another level, kind of a thing. Like you're you're a utility player and a, and a person that kind of can hear the song objectively and then take it to a different place so that to me is yeah if, if you've been in a lot of bands where like you are the main songwriter or one of the main songwriters it's nice to be in something that it there's somebody else's that and you can just like focus on your instrument or focus on the production or like you know take a different role right and like you know it's been another i think i got kind of like hooked into doing that or like hooked on to doing that from um, playing on Aaron's songs, which I, ne- I never anticipated. Yeah, I kind of had like a tunnel vision of like being a songwriter and and like kind of like thinking of things that way. And then when I started playing, you know, on Aaron's songs and wedding dress and playing on, on someone else's songs, it, I got really into it. And I honestly, in the last couple of years, I've written songs, but not at the frequency or or like the the uh, amount of um, like mental focus on it yeah like i've been kind of like way more enjoying this other stuff and i feel like you know when i do sit down to like a writing session to like bang out a batch of songs it's going to those things like will really help that you know like i think that's a really cool thing and i'm i'm just excited about it i'm i really like playing on jess's songs i think she's an amazing songwriter amazing singer and um you know, it's it's just been really, really fun and nice. Want well, to go along with Camp Dogs as as a band and a band name? I've noticed, yeah, over the months, like I'll see you pop up and post pictures of you just being all over the states, traveling and taking these beautiful pictures. So, is that <laughs> what this all kind of came from? Is just like 
you guys traveling around together or how did it how did it all kind of start yeah i mean it all kind of started with um like jess just came to me with a couple songs because um you know she grew up she's from a, a town in oklahoma that's very very small um you know like one one school sure. per k through graduate of high school like um you know, I think like 600 people or something like that when she was growing up there. And, um, so she has this like rootsy, oaky, you know, oaky, like the state, not the tree, like yeah. feel to, to her songs and stuff. And, um, I grew up playing like a lot of like Southern roots music because my, my stepdad who taught me how to play, like that's his whole thing. He's from South Texas. So, yeah. um, and she and I were kind of close friends and, and like, so she knew that like, I was kind of into that kind of stuff. And, um, so we just started writing them. And as soon as I, as soon as I started playing on her songs, I was like, just, this is it. This is awesome. Yeah. Like, I just, I loved it from the, from the get go. Like, um, and so, so yeah, we just, we just went, we just dove in and we were, we just spent a lot of time in a room, like you know, like working on songs, thinking about songs, talking about songs, like, um, and the, the traveling kind of came after the band was already an idea. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, so like it, it really just started with like, you know, just focusing on, on her songs and really getting them like hashed out really well. And then we all, we also realized that didn't realize, like I grew up, you know, in the Boy Scouts and stuff, and she grew up out in the in the South, like yeah, really woodsy, you know. And so we just started going on long trips and backpacking and camping together and stuff, and that kind of became part of the band, just yeah. because because the band is just us two, and th- those are our two biggest things that we like to do. Like the, the we did a two month tour last summer that we saw, like I think eight or 11 national parks like in the tour because we just we just routed them into the tour yeah you know because it's a big part of being in the band and the people that were on that tour playing with us playing drums and bass and guitar like you know we they i don't i don't think that they had you know i don't want to speak for them too much but i don't think they had really been out like in the in the parks at all yeah if if like maybe a little but um but we were like, yo, this is like kind of part of it. Like, and they were really into it. It's, it's a big part of the band for sure to, to go out and be in, in great spaces, great natural spaces, and then kind of bring that energy and that I- idea onto, onto the, the stage and to the set, you know? Nice. That's awesome, man. Um, God, you've been in so many fucking bands. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was saying at the beginning of this thing. My stepdad said you should write a book on how to start a band. And yeah, I died laughing. <laughs> right, man. Yeah, I. I mean, so can you can you look back or listen to old bands and do that? Can you do that objectively, or is that like, are, is there some bands or some songs you just can't listen to, or like, yeah, what do you what what do you kind of think of old projects of yours? Uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'll be real before playing my hair stand up a little bit. 
Wait, um, sorry, you were breaking up a little bit there. What'd you say? Um, some of the some of the five hundred four plan stuff makes my the hair on my neck stand up a little <laughs> bit for sure. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm sure anybody that their their teenage band oh absolutely does that. Um, but for the most part, no, I, I like to try to like stand by stuff. I don't think I would ever, ever write songs like I did in Wax or in Five Four Plan yeah. or even like most of, of Sons. Um, just cause like, dude, you, you keep writing and keep growing up and, and you don't necessarily listen to the stuff you did five years ago, but yeah, I, I like to try to stand behind it, you know, as just, just for my own like, uh, sanity just yeah. to, just to hope that I'm I'm actually doing something right with it, you know. Well, it's funny too. Like, I think a lot of people, at least from my experience, was like, you start playing music, you want the biggest drum set, you want all the biggest, best gear, the biggest, the most amount of people in your band, and then for you, but you start super small with the least amount of people, and then you like grow into like whatever the most version of that is, and then you end up kind of back to that again, like like yeah. the for Doctor Manhattan it was like we. Started with an EP, did two full lines, and then ended with an EP. We like started with whatever gear and ended with like essentially like the same kind of thing, like money out of our pockets and stuff. So it's like it's just funny how for what it seems to me a lot of times can be this thing of like it, it bookends itself or like you just kind of end up back where you started. Dude, it's so funny you say that. I started playing like in Five Hundred Four Plan like a little like uh, crate, yeah, um, a little crate amp that we bought from Dan. Um, from 88 fingers louie oh nice yeah and uh and i just kind of like you know the manifest destiny of being in a band you want like everything Absolutely. so then it, i guess i kind of like peaked in sons when we're like have a clarinet on stage and shit <laughs> and now now dude i play a pv stage 30 it's a <laughs> it's a it's a 110 little combo amp yeah and if i break it or it you know, fries out from bad stage power or I lose, you know, leave it in a, at a show in Brooklyn or whatever. It's $30 on Craigslist. Yeah. And there's thousands. <laughs> at a certain and point, like, you just, you just start to, I mean, yeah, there's obviously, you can always appreciate good gear and, you know, great sounding stuff. But at a certain point too, it, you start to realize just like, fuck it, man. I'll just play what it can sound blown out. It can sound fucking loud and nasty and stuff. And like, that's kind of the appeal. It's like the, the whole kind of feel to it. It actually, that, that amp actually also sounds great. And, and, you know, I should say it, I'm, I have it on loan. Like it's a lender from Nick who records all the camp dog stuff. So yeah, I can't lose it. And I never will. <laughs> so you can't yeah. leave it at a, at a show in Brooklyn then. Yeah, but you know, it's just it's more comfortable than dude, I I traveled with a with a 72 Marshall Plexi head. I traveled with a <laughs> I traveled with a 71 or 2 twin reverb, silver face twin reverb. It's just not worth it. Those yeah. amps are fragile, they're old, they're worth a lot of money. Yeah. And like you learn that when you when you go out and do it like you were saying, like you start out with this idea in your head that you're going to be goddamn Led Zeppelin. And then, <laughs> and then reality sets in and you're like, all right, I need to downsize here and like, you know, do some stuff that, that works with, with, you know, the reality of playing tons yeah. of shows here because it's not easy on gear and it's not easy on, on, you know, people or whatever. I mean, who the, who the fuck wants to travel around with those giant half stacks those bass fucking cabs like who wants to do that shit anymore like fuck dude, it what's the least amount of gear possible let's go with dude, that in sons we had the bass refrigerator cab we had lemke's 
Rhodes. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His Rhodes, his whole keyboard system, three guitar amps, like Fuck. two full drum kits, like, and it was a sight to behold. Yeah. Dude, we would play house shows in that band. Jesus. <laughs> and it would be like super sweaty, packed yeah. place, you know, and like, you know, a good amount from the six of us like yeah. playing and like just the loudest fucking thing you've ever heard in your life. But yeah. And so that was that was really fun. The presence of that band on stage was very fun because it was so much sound. Right. But yeah, not not worth it. Nobody wants <laughs> nobody wants to carry that gear in. Loading in was yeah. like a fucking death march. Every yeah. every single person in that band while during load in looked like they wanted to kill themselves. <laughs> and then packing the trailer for that, I'm sure, was a fucking ordeal too. Oh my god! Yeah, the bus. Oh yeah, that's right. The bus. I forget the bus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so so you you would be the second band that we interacted with, or even the second person I've interviewed that was in a band that had a bus. What? I mean. There, the, it seemingly from the outside, it's like it seems like the best possible scenario. But like, what is, is maintaining one of those fucking buses, like, or just driving it? You know, um, maintaining it isn't isn't that difficult. Okay. I think that I think that in Suns, like, we kind of fell short on maintaining it a little bit because we had we parked it so far away from where we lived. Yeah, we parked down on the south side at Iron and Thirty Fifth, and like. Um, it just it it we didn't have time to like go down there and run it and like get the fluids and stuff going right. it, like once a week or whatever in between tours or whatever. But for touring in a band where you're trying to like you know in Suns we're not making the national debt on the show you know right. like we're we're trying to keep as much money as possible from everything. So the way to do that is to to not pay for hotels to try to not pay for for uh going out to eat or anything like that yeah and a bus just gives you a house on wheels man and we we uh we all had bunks in it we all had our our space under our bunk to keep our backpacks and all our personal stuff and tour on in that band was night and day difference from tour and wax tour and wax is like everybody gets out of the hotel room in the morning goes into the van and is like quiet and kind of like a little edgy because you're all packed into that van again. And yeah, you know that, the, I mean, you've done it. Like when after tour becomes a job and right. not, isn't the exciting, uh, adventure, like, you know, you kind of need some space from yeah. your, your friends because you've been packed with them and on stage with them and all that. And being in a bus really allows you to, to do that and to get your own space and to sleep in the same spot every night, which is like a mentally yeah. really good, good thing. And, um, yeah, we, we just, we hung out on that bus, man. We, we had really, really, really fun times and uh tour was always a breeze. I, there was never a tour in sons where we'd be coming home and, and not say like, man, I wish we were still out, Wow, you know, three weeks or whatever it was. Like we, we, say like you know i'm glad we're gonna get to eat sultans or whatever like yeah. eat, you know, like get the good chicago stuff but like i wish we were still out you know it was, it was always what we were saying that says a lot That's man a, yeah <laughs> yeah it's really fun man i i highly recommend it to anybody that's in a band and does the bus still exist where where is it in the world uh well that bus um r.i.p broke oh, down finally after 
after you know three years of of you know touring all over in it um, at a South by Southwest in 2013, I think. Um, and so now Camp Dogs has has our bus. Oh, so you had a, a, a the same situation, just a different bus. Yep. Nice. Yes. Thirty-three foot international school bus with a bunch of bunks in it and the whole the whole deal. Man, it's still yep. it still like befuddles me that like you don't need any kind of license to drive a fucking school bus. <laughs> Like yeah. any class C or D or whatever. Like I, if I got into one of those things, I'd be terrified to drive one of those things. Uh, well, the first, uh, the first time I, I drove the camp dogs bus into Chicago, I, I oh, knocked into a car <laughs> and I was, I was, I was pulling up so that we could load the gear in to leave on, on a tour. And, yeah. uh, and like I, I knocked into the front end of a Chevy and it was just like, Bitch, I like quit, like you know, like, and then after that, I just like was super careful, and now I'm very, knock on wood, very very handy with it. Like, yeah, three point turns. I've driven that shit through Manhattan and Brooklyn and and yeah. Philly, everything. I mean, how do yeah. you even find parking for that fucking thing? Like when you're in tight cities like that, it's it's there, man. It's there, and and the the Suns bus was longer than the Camp Dogs bus, and. uh we got parking for the Suns bus one time outside of Pianos in Manhattan, right in front. We we played Pianos, and the we got the parking spot out front of Pianos, and it was one of the craziest nights of my life. There was like all of these like beautiful girls from Spain, like all over the top of the bus, like hanging out on top. <laughs> like we're all standing on top of the bus. It was Manhattan on like a Saturday night, yeah. And the the inside of the bus was like there was a couple dudes in there hanging out with the rest of the band and like they were all passing a guitar around and like um man it was incredible it's that's that's the other cool thing about a bus like it will draw cool yeah. people to you because the people that like a bus are already kind of common minded sure. to us you know they're more they're more like of a of a like a hippie like mindset so they like want to they want to talk to you about it and they're cool you meet people out there all the time in a bus it's really yeah. awesome well, shit, man. I feel like we talked about all of the things. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've yeah. covered we've covered it all. The yeah. um, the the only the one the one thing that I feel like we didn't get into, which I would be more than happy to not include or to cut, is this is the goofy shit between that got in, that you guys got into with Fallout Boy now, and I don't know anything about it. So it, it, even just for my own personal knowledge i'm curious but if you don't want to talk about it i have no problem not talking about it like well you know like i don't know too much i don't know specifically what you're talking about um i think that all well i just there's just like of my knowledge of it just lore of like you know 504 plan fallout boy were close and then there weren't and then like the whole from where the cork tree is about a lot of that shit so like i said i i'm very peripheral about any of that knowledge so part of me is like i gotta at least ask about it but if it's shit that's just like real personal i don't want to pry so i have to at least just throw it in the air as as something i i i don't i don't know exactly what about um the rest of the band really like was like i think that all of the rest of the band kind of stayed pretty tight with with all the follow boy dudes yeah i think that 
Um, you know, I don't think that Pete and I really got along at, at a certain point because of like a couple different things. Um, mainly stuff with like ladies. Yeah. Which you can know, always, that, which can always cause problems. I feel like that's right. the, that's the downfall of so many, like, like, I feel like you could pull up a like VH1 behind the music and there's going to be some, like, even like two gigantic 80s bands and there's just some girl that happens to be in between them. It's like ordeals, like, that just right. tear there bands was, apart. There's definitely two. There was two different, different girls that kind of like, just kind of like got, got between what what friendship was there which you know i i don't think that i was ever close friends with pete i, yeah. I was very close to patrick yeah um, and i was i kind of hung out with joe here like somewhat through because jacus was like my best friend and jacus and joe were tight okay so that's kind of what that that whole shit is but not i don't think that any of that um has anything to do with 504 plan i think that he stayed friends with those guys yeah and i think that he kind of like had beef with me, but it, I know him and Nick are still friends. And, you know, Tom was on field by ramen. Right. John was in panic at the disco and sure. and did a lot with that band. And I know Pete had a, a hand in that band. So I, I think that nothing poor, uh, came from their relationships. It was all just me. <laughs> well, and, and, and funny, you should mention John, cause he was, I think at the time he was in that band of visions of red with Matt. So during the whole Wakanda Bartlett war, I believe, or no, he wasn't in, he might not have been that band, but he was in another band. So he jumped into that at some point too. So that, I, I don't even know if I ever, I think I only met him a couple of times, but like that I, whenever I hear his name, That's, I think of that shit too. So he's great. And yeah. you, you used to get him on, I'm, I'm sure that everybody that you talk to has like five people they want you to interview. But. Oh, no, but it's, you'd be surprised. Cause I, if they do, they don't tell me. And I'm always thinking of like well shit i only know so many people so at a certain point <laughs> i gotta figure out who else i can talk to so dude yeah john john walker has had a a very cool and strange experience with music it's yeah pretty um the surrealness of going from being a video dude on an academy is tour to being in in like a huge huge band right um is is really strange and it's something that it's it is like a cool, um, not cool. It's not cool. It's a, it's an interesting thing to listen to. Yeah. To listen to his kind of, him kind of walk through it because he like, he has a, he has a view of things that's, that's pretty weird and, and like surreal is the best way to talk about it. And, yeah. Um, he, that guy's done a lot of shit and he, and he continues to write great music. Yeah. He continues to do really, really great stuff and play a lot of shows and, and he's such a, He's such a solid dude, and he just had a girl too. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. Like, I, I think a year ago or so. I'm not totally sure. Nice. Say again, yeah. One well, and funny enough, there I know the guy who is in Panic now, who plays bass. This guy named Dalen, who we when we toured in Salt Lake City and played shows out there, we played with his band called the Brobacks, and similarly just the thing of like all of a sudden you find out you just know a guy who's in panic at the disco and you're like what the fuck how did that happen <laughs> like holy shit yeah i was in la like doing some mixing for some wax on radio stuff and i was outside of the studio uh walking around or maybe i went out because i got the call and he just walker just called me he was like what are you doing i'm like i'm in la i was like what are you doing he's like 
uh, I'm in Panic at the Disco now. I was like, what? <laughs> what? You're what? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay, that's fucked up. <laughs> so, yeah, he had a lot of fun doing that. So, when, and, and this is, I've had you for a good while now, so we can end on this. When, when you look back at all this crazy shit, all these bands, all these experiences, like, is there even one thing that, kind of highlights it all out of all of it is there something that's like a theme that you kind of look back on like what i guess what what do you when you look back on all that or like hear songs or like have those memories is it just all kind of fond or do you have some kind of like view about all this crazy shit you've gone through uh it's all very fun it's all i mean i think that um there's moments in each band that i remember like from the kind of whatever lifespan of that particular band that you can kind of like, I think anybody that's been in a, in a band that, that it ends, you can kind of put your finger on the moment that it hit the high watermark and, right. and you kind of were like, that was the coolest. That was awesome. You know, yeah. like whether it's a show or just a time, like um, there was another time that, that wax was out in LA mixing and, uh, we, we got done with a mixing session and we just went to like a friend's house there. It was like a crazy, awesome, like stone pool. And we were all hanging out. We were just like listening to good music and just chilling out, like in the Palisades, like overlooking LA. And, you know, there's nights like that or days like that being in a band that like it just kind of rolls and happens. And then, I don't know, like a month or six months later, you realize like, oh, that was one of the best days of my life. Yeah, yeah. Like that was incredible, you know? And like, um, I think that, I think that probably the, the most confusing thing to some people, like, you know, my people say like, you know, bands that aren't, that are in the mid, mid level or underneath the bands that are making, yeah make tons of money. It's like, why do you do that? It's so hard and it's so much work, but it's because like, you cannot get a better life experience. Yeah. If, if, you know, if, if you do it, like it's, it's, it's top of the you know, like it's, it's amazing. It's, it's really fun to just travel around and hang out with friends across the country. And, and, you know, I've been doing it for a good amount of time now and, and I've got, I have good friends in, in Tennessee and in Kansas city and in, uh, you know, New York and stuff. And like, it's, it's just really, really fun. So to, to like pick a point, I don't know, but I think it's all, all great. I love it. I'll never stop. <laughs> well again another another little moment of this conversation that warms my heart to know that you're you're in it you're in it for the long haul you're you're never gonna stop doing this shit big time big time <laughs> well good man i'm i'm glad you gave me like an hour and a half randomly at uh at the drop of a hat me just hitting you up and you being able to do it i uh i've been, yeah, wanting, dude, been wanting to I have you on for a while i i met chris uh from um, Meat Wave, yeah. At, at Empty Bottle, he worked at Camp Dog's show, and nice. um, like I, I got to talk to him for a second about. I had just listened to you interview him. Oh, okay. And uh, like after I talked to him, I was like, "Dude, cool! I'm, I'm like excited to do that. I'm so excited to talk to Nick and excited to like kind of like <clears throat> think about these the bands that I've been in. And you yeah. know, it's like life moves quick, and and like you know, it's it's fun to to talk with somebody that 
that knows about it and it's cool to hear that you like appreciate it and such. yeah it's awesome. well and for me like my memory is so shitty and the way that my brain works is typically i don't think about this stuff but all of a sudden my mouth just gets going and i'm like oh yeah that was a thing like i don't <laughs> like it takes conversations right. like these for me to remember some shit so it's right. a nice way to go uh take a stroll down memory lane and you'd be like oh yeah that was fun like I think like most times you can just look back and be like, oh man, all that shit, all that struggle and stuff and, or whatever you can, if, if bad memories are the things that typically pop up or just like things that are easiest to recall, but then you're like, oh, you know, that actually there's a lot, a lot more good than bad. That was, you know what? Well, why was I such a dick about that? That was nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like when people, when you're in the moment of things yeah. and things hard, it's hard, it's easy to see the bad, but then when you look back, you're like, man, that was fucking cool. Yeah. Like, you know, all those bands. I loved I loved being them. I love playing with all those guys that I played with. Like it's just been really fun. Well I can't I can't wait to uh show off all the different bands we talked about by putting little chunks of music for people who know of one band but don't know of the other and just get get a get a just get I mean part of this too is just showing people new bands and like getting people in new bands and stuff. And for me too, selfishly. So um what do you have anything you want to promote or plug? I know you said you're in Camp Dogs now, but is there anything, any shows coming up or anything you want to uh, kick out to the world? Uh, to the so, thousands and thousands of people that listen to this? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're, really, we're Camp Dogs is recording another record right now. We put a record out um, like almost a year ago. Yeah. And we're we're recording a new one now and we're leaving for a string of shows in like a week and a half and we're doing a day trotter session. Oh, nice. And we're, um, we are working on like a couple really cool, really, really cool shows that I probably shouldn't say anything about, but like really excited about. Awesome. Um, we just, we, in, in the winter we filmed a, a spot for a, uh, we filmed a scene for a Netflix show that's coming out. Fuck, um, man, that's awesome. Here, yeah, um, where we like play, we're like a, in a in like a scene and stuff, and like Jess like says introduces the band and like really cool thing, and um, yeah, just do we're just doing that that band a lot, and um, hoping that you know we can keep keep doing it forever and. Um, keep playing a lot of shows and just traveling around and meeting your friends and hanging out. Awesome. Well, I hope you don't get any uh, phone calls from Bach anytime soon with bad news about, uh, about your <laughs> band. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I hate, I hate to call you, Mikey, but uh, your band's breaking up and uh, I'm the one that has to tell you because that's just how it is. Yeah, I just, I'll just never answer his calls again. Well, good man. I I wish wish you nothing but the best of luck with camp dogs and wedding dress and all all the shit you got going on. It uh, like I said, it warms my heart to know you're still out there writing and putting out good music and uh, you're still out there doing it, man. For those of us dude, who aren't, dude, thanks, Nick. It's cool to talk to you. Yeah, man. It was it was good to go through it all, and I was surprised actually how much I remembered because, like I said, I have a shit memory. So I even impressed myself with the the lineage of bands you've been in. So. Yes, dude. Yes, Musket Arm. I forgot that band was awesome. <laughs> I got I have, I think I've yet to play a Musket Arm song on any of. I haven't this talked about the them a lot, but this is the one. I and to be and it's it's shameful, but I 
I had a lot of the songs for a while and I don't, I, I think just like having computers and switching shit, I just don't know if I've lost a bunch of stuff, but I got to ask Adam and Matt and Orion, like I know somebody's got stuff. So this will be the one that I can actually play some musk and arm and give people a little bit of, I mean, if there is, if there are people listening that don't know what it is, like <laughs> this is what that band was. And similarly, 504 playing and all these, you know, references we've been making. So fuck yeah. Well, good, man. Uh, good luck with all that shit. I, I hope that I can see this Netflix thing. That sounds fucking awesome. Um, cool. And let me know, like, if you if you ever uh, are feeling coming to a show or something. Yes. I'd love to throw you on the list and hang out and stuff. Awesome, man. This is a great. This is a great chat. Thanks for giving me an hour and a half, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for talking. All right, buddy. Have a good night. You too, bye. See ya. Anyhow, I know it's not right to make space. to be loose.